Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Great responsibility. Mojo 5 show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. It happened before. It will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. Hey, and welcome. This is Real Talk, and I'm your host, Audrey Russo, and this is where the best in the arts and culture get it right. Besides me singing on the intro there, that was Toby Mack with Unstoppable, and we have three Fabu guests for you. No, actually, we have four Fabu guests for you. Major General Paul Valley will be here, plus legal analyst Christopher Horner will be here as well. And former ICE agent Victor Avila will join us. And we have an extra special treat. We have comedian impressionist Jim Meskimen will be here. So we get a great lineup. And we are a proud part of the new Mojo 50 radio network. After the show, just go to mojo50.com to check out the schedule and the awesome shows and hosts on Mojo 50 Radio. You can also find us on several radio stations, including WDDQ Talk 92.1, WLBB in Georgia, and WJHC, as well as iHeartRadio. And iTunes, where you can find us there as Real Talk with Audrey Russo. Click subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. And all these are listed on the live show page on the left side of the page. And of course, we can be found every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Just go to AudreyRusso.com and click on the on-air button and that will take you to the show. And my after show with all the links and contacts for the guests is right there on that page under the show description. Also, check out the links under 
the guest where you will find many of the documents or it could be videos and such that we're discussing. So you might want to have that. You, many of them you can download, as, as a matter of fact. And you might need those things in your search for the truth yourself. Because unfortunately, we don't get the truth anymore in the mainstream media. So we want to make sure we share with one another. Also, join us on our Real Talk Radio channel on Telegram. We put out enormous amounts of info. That includes videos, articles, uh, many of them downloads. Uh, where um, we share them with you, and we also have uh, join us on the Real Talk Radio channel um, chat on Telegram, where you yourself can share what you have found in your search. You can share with us and with uh, with other listeners, as well as with other guests that pop in as well. And my fellow chumps, my fellow deplorables, my fellow patriots, as we like to call you, don't practice political correctness. It's self-imposing censorship. It's actually cultural Marxism. No one at this point can force you to censor your own language. It's your constitutionally protected speech. The left has been capitalizing on your obedience to them. Yeah, you've been obeying them. They tell you to shut up or change your language, and you do it. Why are you doing that? Look, political correctness is not a new concept. In the 1880s, George MacDonald, who, by the way, influenced C.S. Lewis, said, the two pillars of political correctness are, one, willful ignorance, and two, a steadfast refusal to face the truth. While our founders were brilliant men, they were also prescient men. They knew this. George Washington once said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. And as my friend and comedian Brad Stein has said numerous times, how do you stop Political correctness, that's pretty simple. You just stop doing it. You stop doing it. You take the first step. Don't wait for someone else. You be the leader. Mr. P, would you drop a little knowledge on us? Well, I'll tell you, when it comes to political correctness, you got to get a spine. Political correctness is the opiate of the coward. It's no good for you. And let me tell you this, it's no good for America, which, by the way, is the very epicenter of freedom and liberty for the entire world. And when you fiercely and steadfastly defend our great constitutional republic, and it is great, that doesn't make you a racist. Don't listen to the lies. What it does make you is a culturist. And what is a culturist? Well, let me tell you. That is someone that steadfastly and loyally defends his culture and makes no apologies for it. And why should we defend our culture? Because it has lifted more people out of the cesspool of misery, poverty and privation, and freed more people from the jackboot of tyranny and communism than any other culture in the history of mankind. Look it up. You can look that up for yourself. That is a fact. So you need to get out there and defend it. Defend our culture. Defend America. You got to do it now because if you don't, there's going to be nothing left to defend. 
And you got to remember something very important here. Under our glorious Constitution, and it certainly is glorious, we have the God-given right of something called free speech. So I intend to exercise that right by sharing the following commentary from Free Speech on Tap. That can be found, by the way, on the Real Talk forum on Facebook and also Real Talk on Telegram. With the purchase of Twitter, Elon Musk has infuriated and twisted the gods of wokeness. From CNN to Silicon Valley, to the faithful Marxists that run the regime, the meltdown is unprecedented and not to mention rather comical. The gods have been dealt a blow to their free speech monopoly, which was defined by the following. You could speak freely as long as your speech fits our narrative. And if you dare step out of line, the gods would not only cancel you, they would malign, castigate, and if possible, ruin you financially. And it was this very monopoly that cost thousands, if not millions of lives during the so-called pandemic. Doctors that were posting the positive life-saving results of early protocols were deplatformed by the gods because this information was anathema to them and their big pharma comrades that were all about two things, vaccines and money. Just think of the unnecessary suffering that could have been prevented if free speech had not been crushed. Early protocols would have been utilized, cutting down on hospitalizations and deaths. What about BLM? Thousands were deplatformed for speaking the truth about the Marxist organization whose modus operandi was, and still is, to destroy America. If the early warnings concerning BLM weren't removed from social media by the gods, lives and property would have been saved. Yes, America might have been spared over two years of misery and heartache if free speech, as the founders intended, wasn't canceled by the gods of wokeness that cherish globalism while harboring a rabid and deep antipathy for America. George Orwell stated, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And Elon Musk just told the gods of wokeness something they didn't want to hear. Free speech is back. Godspeed to Elon. Let me leave you with this. The Constitution is not there to protect the tenuous feelings of snowflakes, unhinged talking heads on CNN, trans-friendly school boards, nor a treasonous regime that stole an election and is in the process of destroying a country. Instead, it is a bulwark to protect speech that is not popular in certain segments and political precincts in our culture. So you got to get out there and speak your mind and remember to support your local gun shops and ranges because without the Second Amendment, we are just serfs ruled by kings. Amen, Mr. P. Serfs ruled by kings. That's quite an image. And I think it's pretty fascinating what's going on. Uh, you know, if you need to, then then check out what a democracy. Remember, we're not a direct democracy. You know, we're not like what they have in Europe uh, or in Canada, for that matter. We're not a direct uh, democracy. We are a representative republic 
democracy. Okay. Democracy, they're trying to, <laughs> this is, makes me laugh. They're trying to redefine everything, hoping that you and I are too dumb to know what the actual definitions are. Okay. Free speech means exactly what Mr. P just shared unpopular speech they the the first amendment says that free speech was that is there for this reason okay you need to go back into history and understand why they they free speech was so important because the crown in england who were ruling us at that time said that you you can't say anything against the crown you can't criticize the crown just like you have in other communist countries, totalitarian. You can't say anything bad against Xi over in the CCP in China. You can't say anything, you can't criticize him in any way or you disappear. And that means you're dead, okay? You're imprisoned or you're tortured or, and or you'll probably die. Uh, they'll kill you. Why? Because this is what happens. And so we are to tolerate others' speech. We may not agree with it. That's fine. We're not forced to agree with one another on our speech, but we are free to speak, all right? Now, they were protected under Section 230, if I'm correct, of that. Uh, yeah, okay. So, and from litigation, um, if they try, this is, I'm just, forgive me, I'm talking about the social media platforms they were supposed to protect free speech, not lord it over free speech. And what they did, as we're slowly finding out, is that they uh, actually interfered with the election. They were trying to interfere with the election in 2016. Didn't work. They were successful in 2020. And now that one of the most popular and that is, as Mr. P was just sharing, the most popular platform, which would be Twitter, because it's the easiest to use, actually. Now that someone who actually respects free speech and wants everyone to have a voice, oh my gosh, imagine that, everyone to have a voice. Now that Elon Musk has purchased it, those that, the ones that are freaking out are the fascists among us. Those that want to control everyone's speech. They, if you don't line up with what they have to say or what they think, then you are off with your head, okay? They would do that if they could, but they can't. So then off with your account. Now that's not going to happen in Twitter. Uh, now we will actually have what we should have had in the first place, which is a free speech platform. We haven't had that, have we? No. And and again, in in many cases, sadly... It was a matter of life and death when it came to early protocols, as Mr. P was sharing. These are all of the same mindset, socialists slash communists slash totalitarians. They all want to control you and me. But we say no. And we have been lied to about what socialism is. So, Let's get it directly from Vladimir Lenin, okay? He knew that the goal of socialism is communism. That's right. 
Socialism is communism's bait. More people have died under communism than any other ideology to date. And to clarify between terms, Marxism is the framework and communism is the practice. So communism is the practical implementation of Marxism. You can use the terms interchangeably. They still refer to to the same ideology. Now, if you are truly grateful for those who have laid down their lives to keep you free, to keep me free, if we are grateful... And when I say lay down their lives, I have to again explain what that is. Let's remind ourselves they gave up. They had hopes and dreams, just like we do. They gave it all up so that you and I could be free. So if we really are grateful, then we should never, ever give up that freedom for the false promises of a socialist system because it's a lie. And we should never, ever give up that freedom for the false promise of safety, okay? What did, they, what did the government, who lied, say to us, right? Oh, you'll, we'll lock you down. They said, uh, what, 15 days to flatten the curve, and it ended up being two years, okay? So let me see. They lied, all right? They said you'd be safe from the virus, okay? They lied, then they masked you, which was also very unhealthy, and we're just beginning to find out. It was useless and harmful. It does not stop a virus, any virus, this one or any other, because viruses are too small for the holes. So they, they were coming back and forth while, while people were under the delusion in a state of fear that they had a force field on their face. Okay, well, they didn't, and if you're still wearing it, you don't, all right? We were not safe. Then they lied about the experimental jab and said, oh, it's safe. Okay. Well, the experiment is still ongoing, by the way. Uh, The trial stage ends in 2023. We are in 2022. You were getting your shots in, what, the end of 2020, the beginning, all throughout 2021. Well, they lied. Many people that we're not hearing about because the media is no longer, it's actually, it's more like a state-run media without actually being paid by the state. But they do things to protect this regime, to protect the government, to protect their ideology. They, they no longer report facts. They, they don't report both sides. So lies, 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 and you got harmed. You and I were harmed. People from the jab died. People were crippled. And people weakened their immune systems. And as we learned from Dr. Ryan Cole, their observation was over great, uh, quite a few months that the, the cancer, aggressive cancers, they found, increased by 20%. Aggressive cancers can't be treated. And many people are dying. This is all plausible deniability for Pfizer et al. That this way, well, no, you know, cancer, we have nothing to do with that, right? But what about not getting after two and three and now there are four jabs? Still get, still having the opportunity because it doesn't work. You can still get it. You can still spread it. 
you can still be hospitalized with the virus and you can still die from it. So why are you still getting jabbed? So if you're truly, so you weren't safe, period. It will be like trampling on the blood of those patriots. So don't buy the lie of socialism. It's non-refundable and it will eventually kill you. Well, one of our brilliant founders, and of course they were all brilliant, but one of our brilliant founders, Benjamin Franklin, said after signing the Declaration of Independence, he said, if we do not hang together, we shall surely hang separately. And we just want to say we're glad you came to hang with us. Well, our medical freedom, the autonomy over our very bodies, is currently being stolen from us still. This will end every bit of our freedom in every way. The liberties that thousands of Americans have shed their blood to preserve. So we need answers. If not for ourselves, then for our kids and our grandkids. Since this is an election year, ask your representatives who seek or are seeking re-election, what did you do to stand against the illegal push for vax mandates? Ask them what they did to stand against that. Adding to that question for anyone who is seeking election for the first time, wants the first time wants your vote. And, and also those seeking re-election. Ask them, what do you plan to do to restore and protect my medical freedom? The answers to those questions will make it clear as to your vote this year and in 2024. Your literal life is at stake. Remember, there is no such thing as the same medication or treatment for everyone. You must have your medical freedom back now. Please do not take the jab. If you have already taken it, don't take another. Follow the science, not the politicians and the bureaucrats who have conflicts of interest. The science is now showing from the data, okay, more people are dying from the jab than from COVID. More people are developing autoimmune conditions, and there's no cure for these conditions. The more jabs you get, the weaker your immune system becomes. And that's why, again, as I said, the CDC is now saying that the jabs don't protect you from getting COVID, spreading COVID, being hospitalized with COVID, or dying from COVID. Understand that once you take the injection, wherever, whatever is put in you cannot come out. It's not like food poisoning where your body rejects the poison. This bypasses your body's normal defenses. The science is out there. People like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Corey, Dr. Zelenko, Dr. Gold, and America's Frontline Doctors, who actually care whether you live or die, are sharing the science. So follow it and stay informed for yourself and your families. Well, the count of the lie for this week is the CDC and the NIH claimed lockdowns were being implemented to save lives by stopping the spread. Well, that's a lie, and here's why. America's frontline doctors are reporting that Fauci now admits the lockdowns were used to force people to receive vaccines. In case you're confused, here's the little lying dictator telling you 
that they locked everyone down to force them to get the experimental jab. But lockdown has its consequences. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated so that when you open up, you won't have a surge of infections because you're dealing with an immunologically naive population to the virus because they've not really been exposed because of the lockdown. There it is. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here, but stay right there. Up next, comedian impressionist Jim Meskimen will be here. So don't make a move. We'll be right back. Hey, this is comedian Mike Fine, and you're listening to Real Talk with Audrey Russo. Before I got the opportunity to come to Workshops for Warriors, I was a hospital corpsman in the Navy for five years, had two combat deployments. I got out in August 2014. Things didn't really work out as planned. I had a hard time getting back into the civilian life. I really didn't have a lot going on for me. I had just failed out of college. I didn't have any certifications to transfer over to the civilian sector in the medical field. So I was kind of in a dark place. And once I came to Workshops for Warriors, It gave me hope again. I've earned over 15 nationally recognized certifications in the manufacturing and welding industry. Since then, I've gotten a job offer, making really good money, and it's definitely changed my life a lot. And I was in a very dark place before I met Hernan, and this is kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Workshops for Warriors, it really saved my life. Workshops for Warriors is a school in San Diego that trains and certifies veterans into advanced manufacturing careers, all at no cost to the veteran. They leave with portable and stackable nationally recognized credentials. This is an important reminder. Don't miss this week's exciting shows with Erskine right here. We've got some very special guests and revealing topics this weekend. So make a note, mark your calendar, text yourself. Join me here for Erskine this weekend. You'll hate yourself Monday if you miss us. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Patriotically correct. There's bad people in every profession, right? There's bad Domino's delivery drivers, bad auto mechanic, bad this or that. We're not going to compare law enforcement to any other profession any longer on this program because here's why. You cannot compare the occupation of a police officer to the occupation of anywhere else where there are bad apples. There's no way that there's this systemic racism within that field. There is no profession in the world that goes through more excruciating background checks, psychological evaluations, polygraph examinations, Backgrounders go to every city that they've ever lived in, every job that they've ever worked. They talk to first grade teachers, neighbors, associates, possible associates. There are not a whole lot of bad apples in the law enforcement community. They're just able to slide through that. And through these interview process, you know, this, the dissection of their social media accounts and their Twitter, and it's all there. It's, it's there forever. And to insult them by comparing them to other professions, I'm just not going to tolerate it on this show anymore. Weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern on Mojo 5 You want to wake up refreshed like you slept on a cloud. Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com and don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. Hi, this is Marion Ross. So lovely talking to my friend Audrey Russo. And I want you all to go and buy my new book, My Days Happy and Otherwise. And read the good and the bad about it. And 
It's been so much fun talking to Audrey Russo. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. As a performing artist myself, it's always one of my favorite segments, sharing time with another artist. And my next guest is a man of many talents. Jim Meskimen is an actor, impressionist, voice artist, and improvisational comedian, best known for his work on Whose Line Is It Anyway? and Impress Me. As President George Washington crossing the Delaware Turnpike for Geico led his mother, Marion Ross, Mrs. C, on happy days to claim that she is now the mother of the father of our country. Now, with his own star on the rise, Jim's appeared in films such as Frost, Nixon, Apollo 13, The Paper, and Viral Vignettes with three upcoming productions, including Hunters, Gaslit, and The Big Door Prize, with Julia Roberts, Sean Penn, Al Pacino, and Carol Kane. Jim is currently playing Colonel Sanders in the popular KFC commercials. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome to Jim Meskimen. Thank you. Thank you for that nice, thank you for that nice round of uh, virtual applause. I appreciate it. Yes, it was actually a standing virtual applause. <laughs> oh my God! Even better. I, yeah, I should have detected that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want the listeners to get a little uh, to get to know you. Um, so, uh, besides, we can, of course, we can hear from your brilliant talent. We know what you do, but we'd like to like to know a little bit about your background. So. Were you? Did you always want to be in the performing arts? I mean, even as a child. Well, I, you know, I like like most kids. I like to play parts and do plays and 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 play stuff like that. But I didn't commit to it for quite a long time. I was sort of indecisive about it. Uh, I like to draw and paint, and that was what I spent most of my youth pursuing. Uh, art education, and, and I liked that a lot. But in the meantime, I would make little movies, you know, Super 8 movies back in the day. I would be in plays and musicals, and, and I did, you know, get hooked on on uh, audience response, you know, and having that wonderful relationship with people that were watching. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, but it, it... So, you know, I'm growing up in a, in a professional family the way I did. My mom was an actress, Marion Ross of Happy Days. Yes. I saw that there was a lot of you know, you get a lot of attention being an actor, and so that was attractive. But I didn't know what was uh, what, what was in it for me exactly and my purposes. It, it took me a while to kind of sort that out. Right, right. As a matter of fact, we had your wonderful mom on the show to promote her book too. She is she's a doll. She really is. She's a peach. She's ninety three, enjoying her retirement very much, and uh, she sends her love. Oh, thank you. She's. Uh, I'll tell you, for ninety three, she's gorgeous. Just so you know, she really is. It's amazing. <laughs> she is. It's amazing. She's and uh, it greets each day with a lot of discovery and enthusiasm. I love it. Um, did she encourage you to uh, enter the performing arts? Well, she didn't get in the way, and uh, I, I think she <laughs> always you know, loved to anything creative I did. Uh, you know, I was really lucky. 
Audrey. This was a woman who, you know, if I drew a picture, if I did a little cartoon or, or anything like that, she would say, oh, that's wonderful. You know, and she used to hire me to, uh, my first job, really, the first paying job was she would hire me to do birthday cards for her friends oh. for a buck. A dollar a card. I love it. Which was a lot of money. A lot of money. (laughs) So she was always super encouraging, and and, and that's the way we raised our daughter. And she's now an an artist, a singer, and a voiceover person. And, you know, kids need a lot of encouragement. It's difficult being a kid. Yeah. I remember all the uncertainty and all the, I don't know, you just, I imagine today it's even more confusing. uh, Sure. uh, Than it was. So kids just need a lot of love and encouragement, and that's what my mom gave me. Oh, that's awesome. Did she know that you were so adept in impressions? No, not really. I mean, I, I grew into it, I guess, and it was part of our family, To uh, especially my, my mom. My parents were divorced when I was eight, and so mm-hmm. I spent part of the time with my dad and part of the time with my mom. But mom especially loved to do accents, loved to do characters. She's an actress, and she would... You know, she got her start on television doing an Irish maid in a Noel Coward play. So uh, she understood very well uh, the urge to uh, impersonate people. And uh, I dare say she encouraged me a lot just by laughing and and by being appreciative. Does she have any favorite uh, impressions of yours that you do? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. We have to What's find my that out. What's favorite impersonation? I don't. I really don't know. <laughs> probably someone from probably someone from our private life. You know, someone from the church growing up or something like that. I don't know. That's funny. But. That's too much. Well, I watched in awe your Shakespeare done by celebrities. I mean, you have clean precise transitions from one to the other, and that's difficult to do. I mean, Robin Williams, Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman. I, I love I love your Richard Burton. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Honestly, we, don't, uh, we don't remember very much anymore, but he was such a huge star, such a, such a handsome devil, you know. It's marvelous to watch him on YouTube talking about his career and all his life lives. He re- they really were the Brad and the and Angeline of their time. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I love Richard Burton a lot. I, I, really, there's no voice like his. Uh, even mine falls far far short. But uh, I love to, to pretend to be. I'm glad you liked that video. That was my first uh, solo uh, viral hit, Shakespeare and Celebrity Voices on YouTube. And it, it really launched me in a lot of different interesting directions. Did it really? Well, I'm telling you that you have an incredible repertoire. I mean, the, that list that behind you on the on the the stage was unbelievable. I mean, just... oh, and America's Got Talent. Yeah, the, hey, I was on America's Got Talent in 2013. Oh my God, that was a crazy wild ride. Uh, I got to perform at Radio City Music Hall, so that was that was the the big reward. You know, six thousand people in that theater. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. Wow. Well, how long did it take you to, uh, you know, compile such a repertoire when it comes to voices like that? Well, I'm still in, it's a work in progress. I mean, I've been working on it my whole life. Uh, It's taken me right up to the present moment. (laughs) So many, many years. You know, when you, when you, uh, it it started off as a kind of a fun hobby, I guess you'd call it, a, a pastime. And something that I really, uh, just naturally fell into uh, as an appreciative uh, viewer of movies and television shows. 
And then the hard part is finding out a way to sort of package it and present it to others in a way that they'll find it entertaining. And uh, I'm still, you know, trying to figure that out. What's the most optimum way? Which is why I feed my YouTube channel and Instagram and now TikTok with as much content as I can. Just trying to see what are people interested in? What do they like? What kind of voices? And they just, uh, you know, like Matthew McConaughey. I know a lot of people like that. They like to hear a guy talk like that. <laughs> and uh, so I try to create some content that's uplifting and inspiring, just like, just like that. And, uh, <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones as well, the great uh, Tommy Lee Jones. He's, uh, he's a more uh, sort of impatient kind of person, not the most cheerful, but uh, it's enjoyable to kind of occupy his viewpoint for a couple of seconds before he moves on. <laughs> Just the way you could switch one to another is amazing. And uh, you also are adept at improvisation because you were on Whose Line Is It Anyway? What That was fabulous. Yeah. How, did, how did that happen? You know, I was involved with a really great community of improvisers in New York for about 10 years. And uh, I was in a group called Interplay. And we really were trying to stretch the boundaries of what could be done improvisationally uh, with music and uh one-act plays and uh, just, you know, what, what? how far could we push that art form of no script? And I, I was having a wonderful time with it. And the Who's Line people in England came over to New York at the time where I was, and they were looking for talent to try to uh, stick in a show, you know, a broadcast from New York. And they chose myself and uh, my friend Christopher Smith. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a different kind of experience because, the, the Who's Line show, as you probably know, is very geared towards comedy, uh, quick joke, uh, right. sometimes kind of scatological, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I would call, you know, a little little cheap sometimes. And they were they were sort of geared towards that. It's kind of like a setup gag, setup gag. And we, we, we had been doing stuff that, you know, I flatter myself with a little more sophisticated. So it was it was easy to do, an easy show to do. Uh, and it, it's been very popular. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect match for what, what we were doing at that time. Uh, although it's, it's based in the same roots of, uh, of agreement and, uh, yes, and, mm -hmm. and these things that make uh, improvisation, uh, so popular and that make it possible at all. Really. It's all, it's all an art form based on agreement. Um, a lot of fun to do. I feel actually very, always very secure. I had such good training uh, in improv and did it for so many years in New York that I'm always ready, I think, uh, to work either by myself or with other good improvisers and to create something. It's amazing what you can do just by agreeing with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it would be great if more people learned that lesson in, in our everyday lives, too. It's not, not just on stage, but just uh, how, can you, how can you find a way to agree with others is something that I wish, uh, I, I wish more people in government knew it, for example. I, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> We uh, absolutely agreement. Yeah, totally. I love that. I've never heard, uh, you know, improvisation uh, term that we, you know, phrase that way. In because uh, we we've done it. I mean, I'm a SAG member in New York, and we and that was always very challenging for me improvisation. But I've never heard of, uh, that reference that um, we'd be in agreement, and I like that's really probably how it works best. Oh, yeah. No, that's a fundamental. It doesn't work otherwise. It's too much of a struggle. It's not about jokes and comedy and, and being clever. It's about supporting the other players, you know. And when the guy comes in and says, well, you're the sheriff, and it's about time somebody did something about Black Mark. 
you don't say, well, I'm not the sheriff. I'm, I'm just the janitor, and uh, I don't know who you are. It doesn't really build anything, no, right? No, it doesn't. But if you go, darn right, I'm the sheriff, and uh, say, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you as a mortician could take uh, the time out of your busy day to let me know that there's a situation with Black Bart. <laughs> then we can build something, you see. Exactly. Wow. That brings us to Impress Me. Uh, how did that, what was the genesis of that? Well, Impress Me was a TV series that sadly is not on anywhere right now because uh. of, I'm not sure, it's like, uh, it's owned by, <laughs> I don't know who owns it now. <laughs> so it was on Amazon Prime. Before that, it was on cable on a station called Pop TV. A very talented director, writer-director named Ben Shelton contacted me after America's Got Talent, I think, and uh, he uh, he worked a lot with... Uh, a, a company called Soul Pancake, which was Rain Wilson's, uh, one of Rain Wilson's production companies. Right. And uh, he had written some stuff for them, and he wound up uh, writing a show for me and an actor named Ross Marquand, who has become very famous from The Walking Dead, playing a character named Aaron. On the right. Dead. <laughs> and but, but before that, he was uh, uh, an actor who was looking for opportunities, and we had worked together, and he we knew that each other were very good impressionists. And so we've been trying to come up with a show. Ben Shelton created the show and it was about the conceit was that, uh, impressionists like Ross and I, uh, people that do voice acting and, and, and impersonate other people all kind of know each other. And, and we're trying to be taken seriously as actors and what kind of, what kind of adventures do we get into? And, and it explored things like, well, you know, if, uh, if a big celebrity like Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart, doesn't want to do their own interviews. They would hire someone like, like myself or, or Ross to do the interview for them. And then, you know, it's just part of our business, you see. <laughs> and no one is the wiser, which it could be very much the case right now. You could be interviewing me, thinking I'm Jim Meskimen. But in a simple point of fact, I'm Sir Patrick Stewart, you see, <laughs> taking a bit of a lark. Right. <laughs> So it was a it was a really super fun show, and I just wish I could tell people where to see it. But right now, Impress Me is lost in the in in the vault somewhere in uh, cyberspace. Oh, uh, is, is it possible that that because you got one season out of it, right? Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, could it, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm saying that's that's that really but stings, I, you know. I will tell you about another show that will be visible and available, yes. and that is The Big Door Prize. Mm. That'll be on Apple TV in uh, the fall, I believe. And that is from one of the uh, uh, one of the creators of Schitt's Creek, David West Reed. And mm. uh, it's a very clever show of comedy uh, about a, uh, a fortune, a very sophisticated fortune-telling machine that, that sort of appears in a small town and tells people what their destiny should be. And, uh, and, and everybody, it sort of creates a lot of chaos. It's a wonderful show starring Chris O'Dowd, the young Irish actor. Chris O'Dowd, you might remember him from Bridesmaids. He's a lovely, lovely actor and a, just a swell human being. Yes. And, uh, and I've got a, a role in that, and that will come out in the fall. So that will be visible. Excellent. And we have one that's coming up uh, now, as a matter of fact, Gaslit. Can you share about that? Yeah, Gaslit. I just started watching that last Sunday. So it's rolling out one episode a week, uh, just like in the old days. And it's uh, about the Watergate times. And uh, Martha Mitchell, played by Julia Roberts, who also executive produced 
and Sean Penn plays her husband, John Mitchell. And uh, very dramatic, but also elements of farce in it, I think. It's a very weird show, but uh, very engaging and uh, entertaining. Uh, whether it will shed more light on the whole Watergate era or not, I don't know, but it's certainly got a lot of drama and some black comedy in it. And uh, I worked with Julia Roberts and I worked with Sean Penn, so that was a, a fun experience for me. That's excellent. Uh, this is in its first season, am I correct? Yeah, you know, it's a limited series, so I think right. it's just got nine episodes and that's it. It's, it's, got, a, it's got an end to it. It's, so it's, it's not going to continue on. Okay. Limited series, which is a great, I think it's a great format these days, the limited series. I'm a big fan of the limited series. <laughs> and you're... Um there's also, you know, a lot of artists because uh, of the pandemic were not able to tour. Uh, are you able? Have you been right. able to hit the road since everything's opening? Uh, almost, yeah. I've got some uh, opportunities coming up, but I, I, yeah, it's been completely shut down, and uh, I really, really look forward to putting up a show in front of an audience again soon. Uh, there's nothing like it. And I do my impression show which at this point i need to kind of rewrite it you know there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of water <laughs> under the bridge so a new celebrity celebrities have come and gone and uh there's uh, a lot of more things to talk about and joke about so um gotta gotta put that together pretty soon and you're also doing a lot to um on your channel on youtube am i correct yeah youtube i've got a i've been feeding my channel for quite some time and that's where I had so many uh, opportunities come out of my, my viral hits. And uh, every day I do uh, uh, something called the Celebrity Fortune Cookie, where I uh, have a <laughs> yes. wheel of celebrity voices, and I pick a fortune cookie out and read the fortune in that celebrity's voice. So you can your listeners can subscribe to that, and it's you know it's a nice way to start your day. Yes. And uh, I do a little show with my daughter. I do a little show with my wife. You know, we, we create a lot of content. That seems to be the... Uh, <laughs> what, what people in show business do when they when they are locked at home, they create a lot of content to share <laughs> with the world. And hope that it inspires somebody or gives them a laugh. That's true. You can't keep it bottled well, up, you know. <laughs> you can't keep it bottled up. No. <laughs> so you you said that your daughter also does impressions. Uh, no, no, she's no. a voice oh. actress, but oh, uh, voice actress. you know okay. we, we we joke around it. Uh, she does accents and things like that, but she's not an impressionist per se. But uh, she's a very skilled uh, singer and uh, also voice mm. artist. Uh, she narrates audio books. Uh, it's one of her jobs. Uh, mm. I got her into that business. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do. If if long and, and kind of isolated, it is a lot of fun, especially when you got a good book. And she's won awards. She's, uh, uh, you know, a, a decorated uh, audiobook narrator. So I'm very proud of her. Wow, that's fabulous. Now, you mentioned earlier that you were, when you were younger, you were an artist, and that includes painting, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I still draw and paint for my own pleasure. I also draw, you know, every month I draw a cartoon, and I invite people on YouTube and Instagram to caption it, and I give them a prize for the funniest one, so people can see my cartoons and play that cartoon caption game if they want to, and that's also on the YouTube channel. So. Wow. Uh, I have a lot of little, funny, little, weird, quirky little games going on. <laughs> you know, and I, it's all stuff I like to do, and I've been doing it so long, I'm afraid to stop, you know. Uh, I've been very successful at what I do, and uh, making a living, and supporting my family, and I I know that I do it. I learned this from my mom. You do it by, by hustling, and by, you know, 
demonstrating what it is that you that you love and what you're good at. Exactly. And you really can't stop doing it because it's really a God-given gift and you just can't. It's in it's in you and it's it's got to be working. So whether it's, you know, whether you're able to get out there when we were locked down, we couldn't. Uh, otherwise, you found another way to get it out. That's right, that's right. It gets bottled up. It's not so good. It's like a genie in the bottle. Oh, you don't want to spend 10000 years in the bottle, believe it. Oh my gosh! I still, listeners, uh, you wait to. This is the biggest treat. Uh, when once you start uh, checking out Jim's and subscribe to his channel, it is um, absolutely jaw dropping what this man can do. Uh, I don't think there's anything you can't do. Well, maybe cartwheels. I don't know if that's in it. Pretty bad at cartwheels. <laughs> okay, all right. We found one thing. Okay. <laughs> Not so good at the bag, at the bagpipe either. <laughs> I don't know too many who are. Uh, Jim, a very important question here: Where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase books, DVDs, or see what you're doing? Know when you hit the road for certain things and when you have productions coming up. Where can they do that? Yes, you go to uh, jimmeskimen.com. That's my website, uh, Jim Meskimen. And you can also follow me on Instagram, uh, at Jim Pressions, and look for Jim Pressions on YouTube. And uh, I, won't, uh, I won't hold back. I'll keep, uh, keep spreading the word. Well, that's, all, that's only going to be our blessing if you keep doing that. And as always, I will have these links in my after show. Uh, so you won't have to search for them, everything, because I will have his website, where he is, and social media, his YouTube channel, so you won't miss anything. Uh, I will have that in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Jim just shared. Thanks so much, Jim, for taking the time to share your brilliant work with us. Will you join us again on the show? Yes? I'd be delighted to, Audrey. Thank you for such a gracious interview. It was so nice. I'm sorry that I'm driving, but uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. Oh, absolutely. And until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break right here, but don't go anywhere. Up next, Christopher Horner will be here. So don't make a move. We'll be right back. I want to thank the Lord for our Constitution. I also want to thank the NRA for its legacy. The National Rifle Association was started, founded by religious leaders who wanted to protect free slaves from the Ku Klux Klan. They would raise money, buy arms, show the free slaves how to use those arms, and protect their families. God bless you. Many of us probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the NRA. But let me just briefly say that gun control, for black Americans, we know that gun control has ultimately been about people control. It sprouts from racist soil, be it after the or during the infamous Dred Scott case where black man's humanity was not recognized. And the, just, the beauty about some racists is that sometimes they're blatantly honest. And the racist Chief Justice Taney said, we cannot allow 
the law to recognize the humanity of this individual because he would be able to keep and bear arms. What a lot of Democratic-controlled segregationist governments after the Civil War attempted to deny black men and women their freedom. They instituted black codes largely to deny the Second Amendment from newly freed slaves. Right after the Emancipation Proclamation, what was going on down in the southern states uh, is very clear that the Dixiecrats wanted to disarm black people to keep us from defending ourselves against the Klansmen who were murdering white and black Republicans to, to control the ballot box. So I think history is ripe with examples of, uh, of, of there's a correlation, direct correlation between gun control and black people control. This current administration is far from the truth. This agenda is becoming more and more obvious to all that it's a distraction. It's a reason, it's an excuse to carry out an ideology that is more evident every, every day and every week that goes by, that it is anti-American. And when you touch the Second Amendment, you can't become more anti-American because America would not be without her guns. And guns would not be necessary without her God. We call upon Americans, both black, white, Hispanics, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and even those who are not of our faith, to agree upon this. Without God, without guns, and without the Constitution, America's end will come with haste. For when they change our Constitution, they will take our guns. And when they take our guns, they will also seek to take our God. That's when Americans will fight back. Hello, everybody. I'm Ruta Lee, and I am the author of a new book called Consider Your Ass Kissed. And I will continue to say that to you if you listen to Real Talk with my darling friend, Audrey Russo. She has the live scoop on everything, for better, for worse, but for entertainment and information, listen to Real Talk with my darling, Audrey Russo consider your ass kissed hey everybody this is chris sky patriot and freedom fighter and human rights advocate all around the world i'm here to give a shout out to audrey russo from real talk it's a fantastic show she's a fantastic american and she's a fantastic example for americans and especially canadians to follow i'm also an author of my brand new book just say no book and global movement which you can find at realchrissky.com thank you god bless america i hope to see you guys soon before i got the opportunity to come to workshops for warriors i was a hospital corpsman in the navy for five years had two combat deployments i got out in august 2014 things didn't really work out as planned I had a hard time getting back into the civilian life i really didn't have a lot going on for me i had just failed out of college i didn't have any certifications to transfer over to the civilian sector in the medical field so i was kind of in a dark place and once I came to workshops for warriors it gave me hope again I've earned over 15 nationally recognized certifications in the manufacturing and welding industry since then I've gotten a job offer making really good money and it's definitely changed my life a lot and I was in a very dark place before I met her non and this is kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel for me workshops for warriors it really saved my life Workshops for Warriors is a school in San Diego that trains and certifies veterans into advanced manufacturing careers, all at no cost to the veteran. They leave with portable and stackable nationally recognized credentials. Visit WFWUSA.org to learn more.
Hi, I'm Craig Sawyer, founder of Veterans for Child Rescue. I'm a former Marine, Navy SEAL, and federal law enforcement agent who founded Vets for Child Rescue specifically to alert and empower the American populace with the knowledge of the fastest growing criminal enterprise on earth, child sex trafficking. I want the American people to be able to safeguard our children from it. So we spent three years filming our documentary, Contraland, which everyone can watch at ContralandMovie.com. And you can visit our website, VetsForChildRescue.org, and support our operations. In addition to catching updates on Audrey Russo's show, we appreciate her voice and her alliance. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. Marine Trevor Reed is back in the United States today after a prisoner swap with Russia. Reed was exchanged for a Russian pilot convicted of drug smuggling. Correspondent Eric Tucker reports the top of the U.S. government was involved in authorizing the prisoner exchange that brought Trevor Reed back from Russia. We do know that this deal was authorized at the highest levels of government. So that would include someone like Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor. That would include someone like President Biden himself. Uh, others who played a role um, and who helped give support were John Sullivan. He's the U.S. ambassador to Russia. And then the person who actually flew back home and went to go get Trevor is a gentleman by the name of Roger Carstens. And he is what we call the SPIHA, the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs. Reed's mother, Paula, called it a very exciting day for the Reed family. The Food and Drug Administration revealed its plan to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. Correspondent Mike Kempen reports. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf says the proposal would reduce disease and deaths by helping current smokers quit and preventing younger people from starting. He previewed the agency's announcement in congressional testimony. Menthol accounts for more than a third of U.S. cigarette sales. The mint flavor is very popular among black smokers and young people. The FDA has attempted several times to get rid of menthol, but has always faced pushback from big tobacco, members of Congress, and competing political interests. Mike Hemp in Washington. On Wall Street, the Dow by 614 points. The Nasdaq rose 382. The S&P 500 advancing by 103 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. Why have thousands of aspiring authors teamed up with Christian Faith Publishing to publish their book? Because Christian Faith Publishing is an author-friendly publisher who understands that your labor is more than just a book. We provide authors freedom and flexibility throughout the publishing process, professional book editing, award-winning design, and some of the highest royalty structures in the publishing industry. And as always, you will retain 100% of the rights to your book. I was looking to find a company that I could trust, one that assisted in the editing process completely. The most important qualities that I was looking for 
Moore was a publisher who was honest and upfront. No hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work. Christian Faith Publishing will publish, market, and sell your books in all major bookstores, online booksellers, as well as specialty Christian bookstores. Call for your free author submission kit. 800 978 show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. It happened before. It will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. This is Peabody Award-winning international film and television star Nick Searcy, and you're listening to Audrey Russo on Real Talk. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. As Biden has infected every department in the government with climate activists, the revelations coming up will be disturbing. But no surprise. And we believe you need to know. And we're going to discuss this with my next guest. For my new listeners, Christopher Horner is a lawyer for and board member of Government Accountability and Oversight, a nonprofit public interest law firm seeking to bring transparency to the actions of government at state, local, and federal levels. He is also a New York Times bestselling author of several books, including The Politically Incorrect Guide to Global Warming and Environmentalism, 
Red Hot Lies, How Global Warming Alarmists Use Threats, Fraud, and Deception to Keep You Misinformed, and his most recent, The Liberal War on Transparency, Confessions of a Freedom of Information Criminal. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Christopher Horner. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you, Audrey. It's great to have you back with us, and we're going to jump right in here. So Deputy AG Lisa Monaco, who is involved with the January 6th investigation, may have broken the law for using a fictitious email address. Was that correct? Yeah, here we go again. Um, (laughs) This is a a senior Department of Justice official who, as, as the there was a story in the Daily Caller that, that pointed out she's got a leading role in January 6th. I think that's where I heard the name. But she had it was buried in a New York Times story um, that the reporter just said, remember, this is a reporter who it would have been after they got off the fainting couch, front page material, where this still the Trump administration. But they just rakishly drop in, buried in a story that um, this official is using a pseudon- pseudonymous fa- false identity um, email account such that her colleagues thought she didn't use email. Uh-huh. And right, that's so that's a problem. And as we've gone through this exercise, is it a problem if um, William Barr did it? Under the show. Okay, so we know it's a problem. So, well, of course, AGs have some system in place, this story says, and I'm very curious about what that might be. But um, it says she's, it just drops in there. She's using a false identity email account. Now, we went through this before. Um, I had written a book called The Liberal War on Transparency, and it discussed a lot of these tactics. And this was in 2012. And when it came out, uh, someone read a review in the Washington Times from the agency and contacted me and said, you know, the administrator, this is anonymous, the administrator uses a false identity email account. And uh, Lisa Jackson is actually Richard Windsor. And she got that because it was, uh, I think, the town she grew up in and her dog, her pet's name. That's how she came up with it. But it's a false identity nonetheless. And so that's a problem. It's a problem for several reasons, and not just because it's a problem if a Republican does it. Think about this. Uh, Congressional oversight. And they ask for Lisa Monaco's emails. Um, If she doesn't turn these over, is there a system, is there a post-it note on the wall somewhere that says she's using a fake identity, look under uh, DOJ fusion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, or, and we don't know, by the way, if her false identity is a .gov. The story didn't say, and the reporter was remarkably incurious, but did I mention it's the Biden administration, so curiosity's <laughs> right. back on hiatus. Um, all we know is she's not doing what, let's start with the Federal Records Act requires. The Federal Records Act requires that parties to communications be identified. Now, under that, literally, it's in, it's not legal for federal employees to send out BCCs. 
they might argue, well, it's identified in our system, but it's not identified if somebody sends a Freedom of Information Act request or Congress does and they don't think to ask for what's called native format. <laughs> um, and, and we have gotten from the California Attorney General by demanding native format. We've received emails showing that Facebook and the networks are on their surrogate list, uh. the California AG surrogate list. Hey, we need the the, the words going forth that this is the line. And, uh, and you see Facebook's public affairs person on their surrogate list. Well, we know that because of native format, but most people don't ask for that. And it's not a guarantee. If they don't, I guarantee it won't be produced. Um, so you can't track what she's doing. We don't know if it's .gov, but let's say it is for the moment. FOIA requests, what happens? Somebody says Lisa Monaco's correspondence. I suggest that request would come up very empty. Sure. And that's because, again, what does she do when she do, when you set up a false identity? She's one of these very, very senior senior people there, so nobody pushed back. I'm willing to stake a bet, but we don't know until she gives more information and the media stirs from their slumber. We just report this and move on. Uh, is this a .gov, and what were you doing to make sure you complied with Federal Records Act, Freedom of Information Act requests, congressional oversight requests? Because right now, you're just obscuring your correspondence. Again, there's a legal obligation to identify parties. So what she needs to do, bare minimum, and whoever else is doing this, and I suspect when there's, we found with the Obama administration, when there's one, there was a bunch. Right. Um, it's a culture. She needs to copy her email account, but that defeats the whole purpose of going false identity, trench coat and glasses. So uh, I'm confident in saying she didn't do that. So that right now we have no idea, there's no way to trace the record of this senior DOJ official's work as is required by law unless she shows you. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have numerous laws in place that that is not permissible. So it's a problem. But now let's move on to what if it's DOJfusion at gmail.com. Right. Then you are truly relying on the honor system with somebody, again, with somebody who chose to go <laughs> rogue Anyway, but but after I made that threshold decision, I was honorable. I guarantee, I swear, Your Honor, I was honorable in copying someone at DOJ, my account, with everything, not just some things. I, I promise. I know I made a decision to break the law <laughs> and a decision that can only be described as to avoid having your correspondence read, which is fine for you. It's not fine for a government official. Right. So anyway, that's why I say here we go again. We found in the Obama-Biden administration, it began with Richard Windsor, and then the AP, to its credit, became interested, and we found out a lot of them were doing it. Um, I, but the question is, how, how, how far are you advancing your effort to deceive? For example, Richard Windsor, you also are required to, you know, there's a tag at the bottom of your email to me and my emails to you. It says who we are our position and so on, what capacity we're corresponding in. You have to do that if you work for the government. Right. You have to identify yourself. You don't have to give your cell phone or whatever. Um, a false identity probably doesn't. Richard Windsor didn't. In fact, we had emails. We So obviously we sued the EPA and we got the records and they had, I mean, it was 120,000 emails. 
And we found correspondence where people were emailing Richard Windsor saying, hey, can you put me in touch with Lisa Jackson? <laughs> so oh, my gosh. It really was a deception operation. Yeah. Um, is Does she have any identity at the bottom? So anyway, you can see that touches on the the host of problems. And they're not just problems. They're, they're violations of law. And again, I suggest it's cultural because we found a lot once we found that one in the Obama-Biden administration. And here's one thing, just in case this takes off, beware of people saying, well, everybody does it. Okay, name name three. Um, and when they name them, it turns out they can't name anybody else who does it. Here's an example. When Richard Windsor became a thing, EPA was under scrutiny because it was a radical Obama Environmental Protection Agency. You remember the whole right. cap trade and green jobs, and it helped. They lost the House because, in, in, in appreciable part, because of that. It was a very big deal, and this came up in hearings. And in the U.S. Senate, Barbara Boxer was insisting everybody does it. Christine Todd Whitman, who was George W. Bush's EPA administrator, did it. No, she didn't. Well, not to anybody's knowledge. Barbara Boxer. The example of Christine Todd Whitman was. Your email says, uh, I'm trying to remember, but let's say Audrey.Russo. Um, it might say that underneath it, or that might just be what it's showing. Underneath it is is called an alias, and that's used differently than we do colloquially. An alias is, is tech speak. So mine might say uh, some deviation of my name, but it shows as Chris Horner. Right. And what's underneath is the actual address, and that's the alias, and it shows Chris Warnerson. Well, Christine Todd Whitman, the supposed everybody does it example, it just said two, as in two from two wit, which was short for Whitman, two wit at epa.gov. But it showed Christine Todd Whitman, and at the bottom it said Christine Todd Whitman, administrator, US EPA. That's the opposite of what Lisa Jackson did in the Obama-Biden administration, which, again, as the AP found, a whole bunch of them were doing. Right. So it seems the culture has resumed. This is one. And um, I do hope somebody follows up on it. And maybe I suspect some gavels will change hands here in the next uh, fairly short while. And that maybe folks will look into this because um, when you have senior DOJ lawyers, everybody goes through training. But you have senior DOJ lawyers saying, well, this is different Then hmm. there seems to be a cavalier attitude about, you know, compliance with the laws, sort of like some people view stop signs, you know, right. suggestion maybe, but it's a guideline. <laughs> <Not necessarily. laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, then we have, uh, I love this. The U.S. Department of Bloomberg, and of course, listeners, if you've been paying attention in the past few years, uh, as Chris has been covering Bloomberg, you'd understand what that means. So listen up here. Uh, the Biden Treasury Department tried to hide emails. This is amazing. Uh, with Bloomberg pushing the climate agenda, and they were asserting that the correspondence was intra-governmental. That's so akin to being classified, or at least they give the impression of that. What next? I mean, we can't read it without a decoder ring. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, fortunately, um, we happen to spot this in reviewing documents produced in Freedom of Information Act or FOIA litigation. Right. So 
uh, a client of mine, energy policy advocates, sued the Treasury Department for certain records about its efforts. Remember, there's, the Biden administration is using something they call it a whole of government approach. Mm-hmm. They've got everyone, including Department of Health and Human Services, uh, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, just to name two absurd examples, in extremis. They're using every agency they can to impose the energy rationing you know, look, it's not about the climate, control climate agenda. Right. I mean, everything. They're restricting access to capital for, if you're a railroad and you want to buy more cars because suddenly we realize we need to keep the lights on. No, we have what's called an ESG. You have an environmental, social, and governance problem. You, we give you a poor ESG score if you lend money to a rail to buy coal cars or a coal company to buy its equipment back <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that they sold to, to stay alive and so on. Um, and so the treasury department is in the forefront. I mean, very much so you may have seen treasury secretary Janet Yellen making, I'm just absolutely hysterical in the last few weeks saying, well, we haven't moved fast enough and we need to go twice as fast in, in, in trying to decarbonize our economy. I mean, about as oblivious to world events, do you have any idea what got Germany in the position, which led to everybody else being in the position they're in right now? Hmm. Um, with, with, uh, nasty neighbors, when you, you, you cram down a climate agenda, you start shutting down nuclear power plants, you swear off coal, and then you get reliant upon, in our case, Chinese windmills and solar panels or dependent upon Chinese controlled rare earths, even if they're made somewhere else, we're making ourselves dependent upon China, just like Germany did with Russia. And a lot of that's due to treasury and they want to do more faster pussycat kill kill and she's saying it just you know we, we you know we just haven't done it fast enough that's why everything's a mess we just haven't we haven't done fast enough um so epa sues and energy policy advocates and a document production comes and in going over it we see a uh a fully redacted long email and but the email address back to that <laughs> It's also redacted. And I thought, well, that's strange. And it's Gmail. One of them's Gmail, and the name's blacked out. And then the other one is just the address is blacked out, but the name is there, Ethan Zindler. And I'm thinking, who is this yeah. senior treasury official I haven't heard of named Ethan Zindler? And I look, well, he's not. He's with Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance, which is a strategic information vendor. Um, they, it's considered a journalism outfit. I mean, they're, they you they're quoted all the time and they publish uh, what's portrayed as strategic insight news. And Mr. Zindler is corresponding with a senior treasury official and it's all blacked out. And so we asked, are you going to continue things like this? Cause I have to say, this isn't going to be, uh, this isn't going to end well for you. You want to reverse course. And so on this one, treasury said, okay, they, they declared it privileged under the attorney-client privilege slash government gets the equivalent. It's it's called um, intra or intergovernmental correspondence. That you know, it's like the the basis is we in government do have a right to work and prepare drafts and so on without you looking over our shoulder at every comment, every draft as we are deliberating. It's called deliberative process toward formalizing some final policy, some final position. And they dared claim that 
for correspondence with Bloomberg. And I mean, that, talk about proving too much. Um, okay, so you're saying that the Bloomberg outfit is part of the Biden administration. I actually won't challenge that except as a legal matter. So let's see what's behind all this black ink. So they produce it largely unredacted, but still with one long paragraph blacked out. But this time they've changed their reason. Uh, this is uh, B6 privacy, which is for personnel and medical files. Like if you have some loathsome disease is what one court called it, then you can hide that. So <laughs> I don't know if Mr. Zindler's counseling somebody about their uh, diagnosis or what, but they're claiming this is the kind of information that shows up in a medical file. Again, I feel comfortable venturing a guess that's uh, not true. Nonetheless, what was, we're still in court, so we'll see. What was unredacted is this long roadmap for how the Biden administration could and must impose the climate agenda. And again, this is from a journalist, let's just call him a, a, maybe a consultant. It's the only way I can think they didn't presume, you know, maybe, maybe it might, might be crazy enough to work. Let's, this is a pretty outrageous email. Let's do, let's just claim and see if they notice it. Unless they were thinking that, then maybe the Bloomberg group is actually a consultant to the Biden administration, in which case they could make a colorable claim to having some privilege. I don't know what else would be behind such a crazy decision. You go through this. And the Bloomberg guy's counseling Treasury, look, and Office of Control, he names every agency. Mm -hmm. And here's what they've got to do. And here's how you do it. And no more think pieces. We've had enough of those. No more pony-headed white papers. It's time for action. And it wasn't all just spittle-flecked. I mean, it was actually laying out agency by agency. And here's what you do. And that just struck me as the combination of the content is really quite something. But the effort to hide it hmm. is brilliant. I mean, so what does this tell me? Well, it tells me one of two things. They actually thought they could try to get away with it and see. Because you, you could not believe that his email address now suggested he was with the government. Hmm. And yet they redacted his email address, which tells all of us they saw it. <laughs> and they said here yeah, and they struck it out. Okay, so you know he's not with the government and you claim he's with the government. Or it turns out, and we're hoping to find out, there the Bloomberg operation is a consultant to the Biden administration Treasury Department, which would be big news. So either way, this is really quite something. And again, it's the content and then the effort to hide it. And now the claim that, well, there's personnel medical. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, again, no, there isn't. But, you know, that's what courts are for. Yeah, they're very, getting very good at hiding things. Uh, well, least. not good enough. I, I will tell you, <laughs> they, uh, they are adapting, and um, we have found that they have moved in lieu of email. Some agencies are using Microsoft Teams chat function, which serves as a – you don't have to be on a Teams call or, or you know video. You can use that as a chat function, and not, we have many pages produced from the Environmental Protection Agency. Having found them referencing this in an email, then we pressed on that issue. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for ways around people reading their mail, which, again, we paid for this microphone. Right. Uh, that's not your account. That's my account. And we have a right to see, particularly with this radical hell-bent for leather push to, to fundamentally transform America at long last, finish the job. Um, to hide these things. And so there are apps, there are text messages. Uh, I'll just tell you that that's a work in progress, but I, 
Um, mm. we, we, we are on to these efforts of adaptation and uh, hope to have more to report on that in the future. Because, again, the laws are quite clear. You're to record everything. Transient information can be, so it's just sort of, it's not meaningful, can be purged after some amount of time. But the rest has to be a record of government and shipped off to the National Archives. You don't go over to Gmail. You don't use false identities. You don't do it on WhatsApp or Signal. But they do. Uh, Important question here, Chris. Where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work, the work of Government Accountability and Oversight, GAO, and purchase your books, including Red Hot Lies and the Liberal War on Transparency? Where can they do that? Amazon. (laughs) You can (laughs) help their carbon footprint in a positive way. Feed those trees. Buy that book at Amazon. Yes. Um, And you can follow all of these developments at govoversight.org. And climatelitigationwatch.org. That's gov, G-O-V, oversight.org, and climatelitigationwatch.org, which is a project of GAO, who I'm proud to represent in um, several matters, including some I hope we can talk about soon. We just had a big winning court out in California. Oh, yes, that absolutely. Next time we have to, if it's okay to cover it, then we'll do it. Um, and as always, I'll have all that info in the links that Chris just shared in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the on air button and right under the show description, you'll find all the info that Chris just shared with us. Thanks so much, Chris, again, for taking the time to share your brilliant assessments with us. Will you join us again on the show? Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here, but stay right there. Up next, Victor Avila. So don't make a move. We'll be right back. Hey, this is comedian Mike Fine, and you're Hold listening on. to Real there. Talk. I with was busy Audrey eating Russo. this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine. It's original. It's bold. It's patriotic. It's American. It's American Pride Roasters Coffee. Historically, great coffee. AmericanPrideRoasters.com The Daily Mojo with Brad Staggs. The point I, I worry about... And there's, Is there a point in a here solution. somewhere? I was kind of hoping we'd get to one sooner or later, but... <laughs> Well, I, it's got. You told me I have to do three, two, one, go. What's a, the point? I have to have a conclusion at the end. Good. Well, you're and at the end. So, so, so get to that conclusion, would you? Because we're waiting. <laughs> go in three, two, one, <laughs> and in summation, go. Um, we start polarizing and isolating people. And, and furthermore, with us. at the end of the day, <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Every dog has its day. <laughs> Easy come, easy go. For more of the political (laughs) 
Josh. Rambling. Is, is rambling <laughs> too generous? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, right? maybe it's not. Just a rambling is good. Yeah. Right. Okay, rambling. Weekdays, 8 Eastern. Mojo 5 Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. This is Chef Andrew Gruel, owner of Slapfish Restaurant Group. You can find our ridiculously fresh and refreshingly responsible seafood at slapfishrestaurantgroup.com. You're listening to my good friend Audrey Russo on Real Talk Radio. God bless, and I hope to meet you all soon. I know the truth about Benghazi. I was there, fighting alongside five Americans who were all raised to believe that if you have a chance to save someone's life and you don't try... That's more criminal than anything else. So we fought for 13 hours, and we saved lives. But we are not unique. We are no different than the Americans who ran back into those crumbling New York towers, or the Americans who tackled the armed terrorists on that French train, or the many faceless, nameless Americans who every day risk their lives for perfect strangers trapped in burning cars or dangerous waters. Because if they didn't, no one would. Where was that courage among the politicians who had the power to make a difference during those 13 hours in Benghazi? I am the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Hi, I'm Mikhail Vega, founder of Vital Warrior, a 501c3 designed to help combat veterans recover from stress. I'm also the president of AK Waters Productions, a military-oriented film production company operating outside of Los Angeles, California. I'm a retired Navy SEAL, having served for 22 years. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Real Talk with Audrey Russo, a good friend of mine, and we wish you a great day. I would like to introduce you to the Scott Vallelee Soldiers Memorial Fund, the fund was founded in 2005 as a memorial to PFC Scott Vallelee, son of Major General Paul Vallelee and Muffin Vallelee. The mission and goal is to recognize and honor our members of the armed forces, veterans, and their families for sacrifices made in the service of our country. We want to encourage donations that benefit veterans, members of the armed forces, and their families. We also offer scholarships, contribute to rehab centers, and send care boxes to veterans overseas. Why donate? Because you have skin in the game. You, like us, most likely have family going back for generations who answered the call to serve our country. They are the reason that we are able to live in peace with the freedom to chase our dreams and pursue our own happiness. Don't we owe them something besides a casual thank you? Don't we need to step up to the plate for them in their time of need? We at the Scott Vallely Soldiers Memorial Fund believe we do. Over 90% of every dollar goes to veterans who are in need. Please join and support the Soldiers Memorial Fund. Go to www.soldiersmemorialfund.org. That's www.soldiersmemorialfund.org. Thank you. Hey, get her done. Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and I'll tell you what. uh, When I get my news, I get it from Real Talk from Audrey Russo. Yeah, buddy. Get her done.
Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo and you're listening to Real Talk. Title 42 is about to end thanks to the insane policies of the Biden regime. What should Americans brace for as May 23rd approaches? Well, we're going to discuss this and more with my next guest. For my new listeners, Victor Avila is a retired supervisory special agent with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, and Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, DHS. Victor has been recognized by ICE and HSI for his exemplary service and professional accomplishments while serving as special agent at the El Paso Field Office and as an assistant attache assigned to the U.S. Consulate of Cuidad Juarez and U.S. embassies located in Spain, Portugal, and Mexico City. Victor is an advocate for border security, immigration reform, human trafficking awareness, and the protection of our sovereignty. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Victor Avila. <laughs> Thank you, Audrey. Thank you for having me back. Well, it's so great to have you back with us, um, Victor. And uh, well, we're going to jump right in here. Um, Title 42 is about to end. I, I do realize a judge put a stay on it, but I really don't trust this regime. But if that occurs, that if they lift it, what will this mean for Texans and what will it mean for all Americans? Well, so several things. Uh, the uh, the order from the judge is basically just a Band-Aid for right now. It's just a temporary order uh, to to for it not to happen on May 23rd. I mean, you know, the Biden administration has announced it to the rest of the world that, in fact, if we did have any recourse to keep you from entering the country, we're not even going to use that anymore. But uh, the big thing about Title 42 is if you notice, and uh, I, I think I guess the only one that's covering and giving some good video out there is Fox News, is there's hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens coming into this country. Yeah. And my question is, if Title 42 is in effect right now, why aren't they being sent back? Good because question. the yeah. Biden administration hasn't been enforcing Title 42. So they have picked and, and, and chosen a few that they've sent back. And, you know, the numbers from CBP, they say that they've sent back over a million illegal aliens um, based on uh, Title 42. So what about the other two, three million that have come in? Why haven't they been sent back because of Title 42? When it comes down to it, Nothing is being enforced at the border, not Title 42, not remain in Mexico, not our asylum laws, and definitely not our immigration laws. And that's the big problem here. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, about the remain in Mexico policy that was supposed to be reinstated. The, the Supreme Court ruled that and then reminded him again. And he still hasn't done it, has he? No, no, he hasn't. And and that's really what what the left has done is just they they get to choose what they get to enforce or not enforce in this case, which um, which really when you think about uh, people ask me all the time, what kind of solutions we could have at the border? They're very simple. 
uh, enforce our existing laws. We don't have to have immigration reform at this point. We could just let our Border Patrol agents enforce immigration law, enforce asylum law. That is probably the biggest fraud that is not talked about a lot uh, right now is asylum. Our asylum criteria has not changed, yet the Biden administration has allowed uh, these individuals to claim or uh, I say, quote unquote, claim asylum even when there is no credible fear, even when there is no persecution from their governments of where they're coming from and allow them to come in with, in their eyes, some kind of a permit, some kind of a status to wait four or five years for that asylum hearing. This is not even an immigration hearing. This is an asylum hearing to to hear their story that, in fact, they've they've been persecuted because of their religious beliefs, or political affiliations, which we know the majority of these individuals is not the case, yet we're allowing them in. And the big problem is the vetting. We're not vetting the individuals. We're having cartel members come through, uh, sex offenders come through, uh, drug traffickers, human traffickers, you name it, and they continue to commit crimes against our U.S. citizens all over this country. Right. And as you said, he's been ignoring Title 42. Uh, and meanwhile, simultaneously, uh, they, they have had like a, an iron fist on Americans that have been losing their jobs because they, they don't comply with, uh, you know, getting an experimental jab uh, or in places where, you know, they were almost hostile toward people that weren't wearing a mask. Meanwhile, you have uh, these illegals, these illegal individuals just pouring over the border and nothing. They're, wherever they are, nothing said. I mean, he's even, of course, out of your state. He's even, uh, you know, brought them to New York and, and, and other states. And they're not wearing masks. They're not, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't believe in the mask either. anyway. But the point is, you're, you're doing this to Americans and illegals, you're not doing it to. That, that's right. And I've been saying it for a long time that uh, for some reason, our own laws and our own policies that we uh, implement on our U.S. citizens somehow do not apply to illegal aliens. And one is like the mask. One is COVID. The other is boarding an airplane without an ID. And I could go on and on with examples of how illegal aliens are not treated at the same level of equality when it comes to the law. The law is blind, remember? It's supposed to be able to be uh, enforced on everyone when there's a violation of law. There's a lot of child endangerment laws that are being broken at the border, yet those illegal aliens, those mothers are not being prosecuted, but you and I would if we would do those type of things to our children in the states. Of course. Um, and so uh, the trafficking is one of them. Uh, the smuggling, there's a huge, huge increase of human smuggling and stash houses right now uh, uh, down the southern border of single adult males. Uh, you still have the unaccompanied minors and family units, but the majority are now single adult males coming from all over the world. Forget Mexico and Central America. We're talking Cubans, Venezuelans, Brazilians, Chinese, Syrians, special oh interest aliens from Somalia, Bangladesh, um, um, you know, uh, Border Patrol or CBP have put out the number that 42 special interest aliens on the terror watch list had been interdicted 
thank those are the ones that they we that we were able to catch on a terror watch list. You know how hard it is to get on those lists. Let me tell you, I worked there, and you have to basically be a confirmed terrorist to get on that list. Wow. Yet they're coming through our southern border. How many have actually con- gone through and are now in our country to cause us a different kind of harm? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go local here. Uh, Governor Abnett must think that he's a comedian, but he's really playing with American lives. His political stunt to use Texas taxpayer money to bus illegals to D.C. He's just helping Biden distribute them throughout the U.S., isn't he? That's absolutely right. You know, at first, um, as it was happening, I was I was very conflicted. But one thing is that he did, and this is very the only really thing that I agree with, is that he brought some attention to the rest of the country and basically the world saying, hey, this is what we deal with on a daily basis in Texas. Right. Yet I completely disagree with the tactic of busing them because even Saki down in the White House after the first couple of buses landed in D.C., she thanked the governor of Texas. And to me, that was a slap in the face saying, thank you so much for helping us bring them uh, to to D.C. because uh, they're going to the northeast part of our country and we basically gave them a free ride. And, and there's no accountability. This is aiding and abetting uh, the Biden administration, which they've been doing for over a year. That's not the solution. The solution mm-hmm. is to have bold action at the border and secure the border. And border security, I've been saying it many times, is not busing people into the United States. It's not catching the human smugglers while they're already in, in Texas or Arizona. It's keeping them from coming in in the first place, but we haven't we haven't seen that bold action. Obviously, not from the federal government and not from our uh, state officials as well. Yeah, and I understand. Um, sadly and tragically, a Texas National Guardsman had just died trying to save uh, illegal aliens, who we now find we understand were um, drug traffickers. Uh, and that's this is in addition to the several suicides by Texas National Guards in, in a short period of time due to a, a vague mission. Um, when is uh, Governor Abbott going to get serious with the lives of his own National Guardsmen? My condolences to the the family of Bishop Evans because um, uh, this man went above and beyond to go rescue drug traffickers, drug traffickers that are coming unvetted into this country that if he doesn't rescue them, we probably allow them in and come in and they come into the rest of our country. And you're absolutely right. Thank you for mentioning because we've lost four other uh, National Guardsmen to suicide, two others to accidental shootings, but you never heard about those. No. Those were never publicized. And um, I couldn't believe my uh, my ears yesterday with Saki saying, yeah. blaming the state of Texas, not taking responsibility, um, at least in offering condolences to say, listen, we're all in this together. No. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, that's a Texas. Oh, that's a Texas, Texas National Guardsman, not a U.S. National Guard. Are you kidding me? This is the problem that we have, um, uh, the, the, the guardsmen, the DPS troopers, they are overwhelmed to say the least. And with the numbers in Eagle Pass, Texas and Del Rio, Texas that are coming by tens of thousands is, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I hate to say this and, um, we will see more deaths. We will see bloodshed at that river. And by the way, we've been seeing about, uh, one drowning per day. 
and you haven't really heard that in the in the mainstream media of illegal aliens drowning in that river. That river is called the Rio Bravo in Spanish for a reason, meaning the dangerous or the uh, uh, the, the uh, a, a very uh, you know it's, it's very treasonous that 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 river where sometimes when you think it's even shallow and you're walking through. That river will suck you down like quicksand and bring you in, down and and drown you, and um, oh. and so uh, we have a lot of those issues. Uh, the cartel is having a a field day bringing their fentanyl and methamphetamine. That hasn't stopped not even one bit. I just got back from South Dakota, speaking to the police chiefs and a sheriff's association up there, and they are having a huge problem with meth and fentanyl in oh. South Dakota. Oh my gosh. That is unbelievable. This is everywhere in Montana. Yes. That is unbelievable. You know, another thing, too, is um, since I've had several of the angel moms on the show in the past, has there been an increase in Americans being killed by illegals? Yes. And this is one topic that many or none, uh, anyone I hear talking about this. And these are the victims at the hands of illegal aliens in our country. Uh, children, um, women, uh, you name it, uh, drunk drivers killing our loved ones, uh, uh, illegal aliens raping our children, our, our girls, uh, drug through, with drugs, with violence, you name it. They, these are 100% preventable crimes because these individuals should not be in this country to begin with. And you just heard the one in Queens, New York that um that killed this this woman and uh put her in and stuffed her in this bag uh duffel bag uh he had been he's been illegal in this country for 20 years how many how many of these do we have in this country that are committing crimes we have enough crime right now in our country we have a crime surge all over the country and in texas and on in fort worth and austin and dallas We've seen uh, uh, South Dakota, Montana, where I've been traveling around the country. They've seen a huge surge in crime. A lot of it, believe it or not, is related and and is uh, connected back to the open border because it's connected to the cartels and the illegal activity that's coming from there. And so when you add the illegal criminal alien coming into this country to commit additional crimes – this is something that we just can't afford uh, for our U.S. citizens. Exactly. The crime surge is is really frightening, especially in, in here in New York, which is uh, sadly because it's under Democrat leadership. It, they're doing basically nothing about it. Then you have that extra element to the problem of being illegal. Then we have we have an even greater problem because sadly, uh, it seems that even though the laws are not on the side of an illegal, those that are supposed to be uh, and enforcing the laws are on the side of the illegal. So they get, they cut them slack. That's absolutely true. I, I write about this in my book, uh, Agent Under Fire. Uh, and if you read that book, I wrote it a little over a year ago. I talk about sanctuary cities and the and those policy bail reform, how it comes to be. And you're absolutely right. For some reason, in a lot of these sanctuary states, let me tell you, not even cities anymore, they if you're illegal, somehow you'll get released quicker from jail. Now, remember, the reason they're in jail and the reason they have been encountered is because they have been charged with a crime, whether from uh, DUI all the way to murder 
um, yet they put these small bonds and bail amounts and or sometimes even none, and they get released on personal recognizance, what we call a PR bond, and they're out back out on the street. Well, you'll never see them again. And guess what? They will commit another crime, and then you we hear about the second one. Well, now they went and killed somebody, and you're thinking, this person should have been in jail this whole time without bond. But a lot of it is commingled with the the sanctuary city policies in New York, California, um, even in my own state of, of Texas, in uh, Houston, big sanctuary cities. And so it happens uh, where it's all connected. The prosecutors with the lack of prosecution right now, what we're seeing in the Biden administration and why a lot of the immigration law is being ignored down at the border is because even if a border agent would want to arrest an individual and charge them with 8 U.S.C. 1325, illegal entry into the country, there will be no prosecution because the prosecutors and the Department of Justice have been uh, instructed by the, the Biden administration that you will decline these prosecutions. You will decline most of them. You will decline most of the human smuggling ventures. And so the Border Patrol, here we go, back to step one. You go back to processing. You go back to hospital watch duties and allow the people to come in. Right now, they're, they're sending more money to build more soft-sided facilities around our border to house all these illegal aliens. And I've seen uh, one big one that's grown a lot in the uh, southern part of Laredo. And I'm thinking that's not the solution, building more facilities. The solution is to keep them on the other side of the border to have to avoid having to build uh, and, and house them and feed them and educate them and everything else that comes along with them. Because people will feel the impact in their communities as they start showing up. Every square inch of this country is going to feel an impact in their healthcare system, their education system, and of course, the criminal justice system. And they're going to start wondering what the heck is going on. Well, it's going to be, it's, it's going on right now. And you must be aware, your local elected officials, your city council, men and women, your county commissioners, your county judges, your school boards are going to have to make decisions very closely, if not already, as to what they do with the illegal alien activity happening in your hometown. And are they going to put you, the U.S. citizen taxpayer first or people that are coming from over 150 different countries? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the, the, there's quite a few concerns here, but uh, one being the burden, as you were mentioning, the burden on Americans financially when we're just coming out of something where people have lost their pretty much their lives their uh, in some cases the lives because our suicide rate went up but that's because they lost businesses and they and we've we've uh, now have a higher level of poverty in in the country because of that and now they're allowing this to happen which will now overburden different areas in the country am i correct you're absolutely right and i always um uh, i talk about this in my public speaking events is why and, and how I've seen the in the last 10 years, the burden shift even more onto the United States when, in fact, we should be putting the burden back on these countries that start with Mexico and Central America. Let's start there. Why are why isn't the United States putting the burden back on their own countries of their own people to say, listen, you must do something there to stop them from leaving your country to begin with now? 
sending the money is not the solution because I, I worked <laughs> in Mexico yeah. and I saw billions of dollars of our own money and look at where it's got us. Nothing. We are now at the point where we must engage Mexico, whether you like it or not. We must engage them, but with some kind of consequence here. And I'm talking serious type of consequences as embargoes tariffs right. i'm being serious we need yeah. to do something to wake up mexico because they're doing nothing on their end i don't know if you saw the governor of uh of texas governor abbott met with the governors of the surrounding uh northern states of mexico that that border texas and that's a good thing and that's a good thing that he's doing that but it has to go above and beyond i want him to meet with the president of mexico because supposedly he uh, uh, these governors are going to try to stop some of the flow of illegal aliens coming from those states because uh, Governor Abbott had uh, stopped the traffic of commercial traffic coming to, into Texas. And there was a big backlog and big consequences because of that. But what I want to see is tangible solutions. None of that has actually stopped anyone from coming into this country illegally. Just yesterday, I saw footage of them trying to kind of uh, patrol the areas, but people are running right by them into the river. And, um, yeah. and, and that's not the answer. Yeah, exactly. I saw that too. Yeah, that's not. And it's funny, uh, Trump was able to deal with, I don't know if the same administration in Mexico, but he was able to, to, uh, engage, um, the government there, but, uh, they're not even trying here, are they? That's right. And, and President Trump did exactly that. He met with them. He basically told Mexico, listen, you're going to do this. You're going to secure your southern border um, or also we're going to put tariffs. Uh, this other thing that President Trump had uh, told Mexico he would do is designate the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, which I believe. And I wrote that in my book. I, I believe uh, wholeheartedly that the, the government of the United States should have done that a long time ago to be able to attack these uh, cartels from a different angle and no longer these long two-year investigations. That doesn't work anymore. We must treat them as terrorists. That, that's what they are. Um, bring DOD resources, cut their, their monies and their assets all over the world. That's how we attack them now. But Trump did that. And it got Mexico's attention. And you immediately, immediately saw the effect. Mexico put 25,000 of their own Mexican National Guard down in their southern border of Guatemala and Belize. And all of a sudden, the traffic stopped flowing. And, wow. and, uh, and Border Patrol had the full authority to stop them on the line in the river. And prosecutions were starting to go up. It was starting to happen. And that's where we started seeing the secure border. The wall was continuing to be built. So you see the 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 effects of policy with uh, enforcement, and it works. But right now, all that is out the window. Exactly, because that what you're saying is it can be done if there's a will for it to be done. So obviously, uh, there is no will for that with Biden, and it, this is intentional at this point, isn't it? It's deliberate, 100 percent. I think that they definitely want to change the the, the fabric of our country by destroying the country that you and I know and love because of votes, whether because it's an ideology. Another thing that I think you and I have talked about before is the, the illegal aliens coming now are, I've seen a, a big shift and they don't want to assimilate to our country. They really don't want to become Americans. They want uh, entitlements, which is something that I didn't see a long time in my career, a long time ago where we did have uh, those migrant, even though we might have them now, 
the majority, and I'm talking here in a generalization majority of what I've seen the last year, is that these illegal aliens now are showing up with uh, this attitude of what the U.S. government is going to give me because I deserve this versus I want to come to this country. I want to work hard and I want to assimilate to the community. That's not happening. They're coming to our country and flying their flag in our uh, our households. Try doing that in Mexico and try to fly the U.S. American flag, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's true because when my grandparents came here on both sides, my grandparents, they wanted to be Americans. You know, they That's wanted right. to work hard. They wanted, But you're right. They come with an entitlement attitude that sadly is coming out of this uh you know, the Biden regime. This, this is very sad. Uh, Victor, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase your book that you mentioned, Agent Under Fire? Where can they do that? Please visit uh, agentunderfirebook.com and you'll find everything about the book. I have a brand new website now called victoravilaspeaks.com. You could hire me to come speak to uh, your organization. And uh, as I share my story of survival in Mexico when Agent Zapata and I were ambushed. And, uh, and it's an inspirational story as well of perseverance and resiliency that I, I like to share with law enforcement groups and private sector groups as well. Excellent. And as always, I'll have those links in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Victor just shared. Thanks so much again, Victor, for sharing your brilliant, <laughs> brilliant um, assessments of what's going on. Will you join us again on the show? Always, always a pleasure to be on, and we'll love to be back. Excellent. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Real Talk with Audrey Russo. You can follow Audrey at her website, AudreyRusso.com, where you can find the live show, archives, articles, and much more. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Read her articles also at Liberty, Great Britain, and Barb Wire. Join us next time as Audrey exits stage right. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.